0: to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information about Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join Pastor David Hilton for this week's message. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. We'll work our way to Revelations. <laughs> uh, for you new here... The laughter will tell you that was just a joke. Don't sweat it. It said <laughs> in verse 27 And God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created male and female, he created them. Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over everything that moves on the earth. Now, I just want to tell you, I'm a pretty simple guy, and it seems to me like he already said and over everything because he kind of named everything, and then he says everything rule over everything that moves on the earth. In other words, I want to make sure that you understand that everything that moves, you have rule over. In other words, God created man and woman in his image, in his likeness, to rule and have dominion and to occupy here on the earth. Does that seem pretty plain and simple, right? Right. And then in Genesis 2, verse 1, it says, Then thus the heavens and the earth were completed. And I'm sorry, is that right? No, that's not right. It's uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, and it just shook me to my core. When I read that, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field in which we had at that time rule over, and I used to always think, why a serpent? And that's why God was so adamant about saying you've got rule over all these animals and anything that moves on the face of the earth. And then lo and behold, here comes a serpent on the face of the earth moving. Come on, is anybody in here with me? And it says that he was more... Cunning, more subtle, more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. Now here's the problem that we have as men. We're always adding to the word of God. And when she said, Touch it, I guarantee you the devil goes, Woo-hoo, I got her. Because I can make her touch it and she's not going to die. That's not what God said. God said, don't eat of it. And he told Adam. And so when she reaches out to take it and nothing happens, well, of course. Well, heck, I didn't die. I touched it. Come on, you see how subtle and cunning at times we can be? When we, in something about humanity, we always try and help God out. That's where we get in trouble. Are y'all with me? The title of my message is, Do You Believe This? In Resurrection Sunday, yes, it is probably the most celebrated uh, Christian holiday there is for a Christian. Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, and which it should be because it's the empty tomb that is a witness for us that he is living. That's where we get our commitment and our trust to believe that this man's tomb was empty when they went back. And it gives witness that, yes, he is alive. And so it is supposed to be. It's the resurrection of his death. It's, uh, it's the back to life again with authority and power, with the keys. When he, when he beat death, hell, in the grave, he got the keys. Come on. And those keys represent authority. And that's what he got back. The word resurrection, here's what it means. To stand up again. To lift up from death a moral recovery of spiritual truth. Now, this is what I want to tell you. When we all believed and we all came to Jesus Christ, we've got a standing up again. We've got a resurrection of some moral truth back in our life because we were all immoral, slave to sin. Come on. We didn't have the authority to be able to say no, as old Nancy would say. But see, now we do have the authority to say no. I don't have to live that way. See, with the normalizing of sin and taking Christ out of our holidays, see, our fall festivals, Halloween and and Thanksgiving, it's, it's our fall festivals have turned into dressing up like demons. And come on, Thanksgiving turned into a turkey, right? Christmas has turned into Santa Claus. And Easter's turned into a rabbit that lays egg. How deceiving can we be? I mean, let's just lay it out there. And so we've got all this normalizing of sin and all this slowly but subtly taking Christ out of everything. To where we're just creating a culture to where we're not offending anybody. We don't want to, because we sure don't want to offend nobody with Christ. With Jesus Christ, the anointed one that puts everything back in order. That turns chaos, come on, back into order. That puts families back together. That we don't, we don't want that happening See, the devil is so crafty and cunning that he can put just a little bit of spin and make us all accept it and think it's all good. Come on. See, we've created a culture shift over time. We've created such a culture shift over time and it's had devastating consequences that we, hadn't, we didn't see in the past when we said, oh, don't touch it. When we put our own little, oh, it's okay, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, come on, Halloween. I remember going to a church functions and they would have uh, ghosts and goblins and cauldrons and, uh, at a church function. And I'm like, oh, man. And I remember over time, and nobody thought nothing about it. But it slowly had its consequences to where now we've had such a culture shift that we're just we're we're scared to offend anyone with the name of Christ, with Jesus. See, Paul wrote, come out, be separate. See, he was simply telling them that now you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we haven't really preached and understood the citizenship of heaven because here in America, everything is a popular vote thing. It's not kingdom. We're, we don't have a kingdom mindset in America. We, we have a, a popular vote mindset where we vote this in, where we, no, we don't vote in heaven. (laughs) We don't. Because God's way is the right way. Man's way seems right to him, but its end is destruction, so we don't get to vote. (laughs) But see, we're citizens of the kingdom of God, which has authority And power. It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of righteousness. And in Philippians, if you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to look at some things here. And I'm just going to plug in a few scriptures. And because Paul was pretty adamant here, and he throws out some very strong warnings to believers to citizens of this kingdom of God. And he lays out the goal of life in Christ. He says, verse 2, Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. And what he's talking about is religious people. Those are strong words. When you call out the religious people that way, Verse 3, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law." but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And you may be going, my God, what did he just say? What Paul's telling you is, is he says, be careful of all the religious folks out there who are going to try to say, and don't touch this. And then he says, I don't put any confidence in my flesh, which I could, because when it comes to religious credentials, I got them. And he goes through a laundry list of religious credentials. He says, from birth I've been religious. From the very time I mean I was I was circumcised into the I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Come on. And he gives this laundry list of his credentials. And he says, Man, by the law I'm in. But I don't count, I count that as dung. Because what counts is, is that I put my faith in Christ. Because when I put my faith in Christ, look at what he says. He says, I count it as lost." More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Now that knowing right there is 1108 in the Strong's Concordance. And that knowing right there is knowledge. The science. In other words, it's the act. It's the system of knowledge covering general truths or operations. And here's the thing that I can tell you. In rodeo, it's amazing what ropes went from back in the 70s to what bull ropes are now. Totally different. Because there's been science. Behind. It's like it's down to a science now. I mean, the, the, uh, the gloves, the... the the way the handholds are made and the blocks in them and and heck, the Brazilians pull them backwards. Cole, you don't ride with a Brazilian, do you? Thank God. I mean, those are even totally backwards, but it's all down to a science, man. It's down to the act. See, and what Paul's saying is, I know him by experience. Come on. This wonder-working God, don't tell me because I've put my faith and my trust in him. He says, I, I've experienced him. And then look what it says. He goes on to say on down a little further. He says, I've suffered the loss of all things, all those credentials, and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I may gain the anointed one. I may gain Christ and, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of me working all these religious duties. It's not by my hand. It's not by my fleshly things that I do. It's, it's not by all that. It's by me knowing, it's by me trusting, by me believing. Look what he says. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, having faith to trust Him that I may know Him. Now, that no is 1097. That's a totally, that's another no. That's not the act part of knowing, this is the intimate part of knowing this is the knowing this is the process part of knowing this is the process part everything goes through a process to get to a product and that's what this is this is the process knowing it's the it's the intimacy between a husband and a wife come on it's the relationship part of knowing See, both knowings can come together. They have to come. One leads to the other. Oh, come on, man. See, that's more than just coming in, saying a prayer, and sitting down waiting on heaven. See, this is something that you're doing between you and God. You're becoming to know Him to the point where you say, don't tell me He can't. Don't tell me he can't Because not only do I know him And have experienced him I know him intimately In a relationship So don't tell me I've seen This miracle work in God Oh man Come on we're going somewhere See, one leads to the other. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, Not that I've already obtained it. He said, Look, I ain't got it all together. I ain't got it all together. I hadn't attained it yet, but look what he says. He says, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order, come on, that I may. I love this. I press on in order that I may lay hold of it, that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. If you're here, you've been stirred. Let me tell you something. He is trying to get a hold of you. And that's him laying a hold of you. Because what he does is, is already set in motion, he is already stirring, he is laying a hold of you, saying, come on, I want you to experience and I want you to really get to know me. And then we press on toward, look what he says. For that which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. All that mess that was my life before Christ, man, I can let go of it. All that wrong thinking, all that touching the wrong thing. I come out, I separate myself and now I can move on in victory and authority and power for which I was laid hold of for. Oh man. Verse 14, I press on, he says it again, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is an upward call for your life. There is a upward invite. That's what that means. It's an invite. It's an invite to knowing eleven oh eight and eleven oh whatever the other one was. Come on, there is a personal invite to experience Him and to have an intimate relationship with Him. Oh man, I love it. See, we should all have this attitude to be committed to the process of our citizenship. The authority vested in us as the commonwealth. Oh, man, let me keep reading here. Let us, therefore, as many are as perfect, verse 15, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also. In other words, if you mess up, screw up, hey, he'll reveal it to you. I don't have to sit up here and tell y'all, hey, you jacked up people. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. The Holy Spirit will tell There's some of y'all going, yep, he's telling me right now, I'm jacked up. See, I don't have to. He says, however, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in In following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exhortation of power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Now, here's the thing. When it says... uh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering listen there we when we become part we were put on the cross with him right all our sin all our shames all the stuff all the everything that we ever did wrong we become we were in fellowship with his suffering so that's how we get our citizenship. That's how we get our authority and power back to occupy here on this earth. Come on, is anybody in here? So when the devil comes slivering up to us, oh, come on, you ain't going to die. Come on. See, now we have the authority to go and cut his head off. That's what Adam's job was to do in the garden. How many times do you go to your garden and there's stuff in it that ain't supposed to be in it? You don't just give up the garden. No, you take over your garden. And here's just a little tidbit. When Mary seen Jesus when he was resurrected from the death, who, who did she assume he was? Gardener. Come on, man. We got the authority to take care of our garden, to make it produce. Why? Because now we are citizens of the kingdom of God because of what he did that we can stand up again, come on, that we can take authority. Oh, man, look here. See, we should be committed to that process of citizenship, to where we press on for our purpose as citizens in the kingdom of God. Your job is to influence your job, to impact at your schools, See, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. I've had people come up to me all the time and say, there's no Christians on my job. I, I may quit. No, do not quit your job. You are to make more there. That's why you're there. But they're heathens and they cut. I don't care. Love them. And watch what happens. Listen, the downfall Of every nation. The downfall of every nation, you can trace it back to three things gross immorality, debt, and open borders without simulation. The downfall of every nation, you can go back through history, and those three things are the downfall. And when you have open borders, which this is a hot topic right now, when you have open borders and you just allow everybody to come over here and not simulate to our culture, we got problems. How's that going to work? And that word simulate, here's what it means. It means to follow a pattern or model, or example. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, man, I'm telling you, this hit me, one of them deals, like boom, big rock in your spirit. It just hit me. Jesus didn't migrate from heaven to come and to simulate here on earth. Think about that a minute. He did not come to simulate. He came to fix what he has started. Y'all got jacked up. Your rule and your dominion got all messed up. Come on. And I'm coming back to give you back the authority. Jesus isn't on the outside looking in. He's the very center of our life when we come to Jesus. And then everything else is affected by us being in that. Come on, are y'all with me? Hold on. Hold that thought. See, why would we think that God's principles, standards, and statutes are not the way to go, the way to live? Why would we try? See, and that's what's happened in Christianity, is we've treated Jesus as an add-on. He ain't the add-on. When we come and we repent, what did you, Jesus said? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he said repent, he said, now you can stand up again and be who I've called you to be. Oh man. Come on! The week before Jesus went to the cross, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time because you got to think: here's this man who's here's the King of Glory comes out of heaven, and he leaves his throne, comes to comes to earth, and then and, and is put right in the middle of a situation where two worlds are not simulating together, Rome and the Hebrew people. And it is like, I mean, it's a mess, Intentions are very high because they are tired of this carpenter telling them the truth and upsetting the apple cart. And that's what he did. He just came right in the middle. He wasn't assimilating to either culture. He came in and said, there is a new authority in town, and it's me. Come on, man, y'all see that? And he says, he, he begins to expose the Roman government. And the Roman government had been taking advantage of the, Hebrew, the, the Jewish spiritual corrupt leadership. Rome had been buying them, trying to buy them and influence them so they could have influence over the people, trying to keep everything calm. So it was a mess. And here comes this Jesus, this carpenter, steps in and begins to expose their pious worship, begins to expose their motives. He just, he just starts ripping the lid off of what was going on in their culture. Come on, we've had a few things peel back the layers of what's going on in our culture. And he begins to expose this. See, we forget in Exodus 19 that God said, all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, That's powerful. God's never changed his mind. God's never changed the intent of that right there. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Every time you see Israel in the Old Testament, it means to the church. God has sons and has daughters who are his people in the earth for a reason. And it's to occupy. Come on. Are y'all with me? Listen. Jesus begins to try and ease the disciples. Look in John 14. Jesus tries, he begins to try to, you know, because the disciples, they did not want to go to town. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, we're headed into Jerusalem. We're going to town. And they're like going, man, look, I don't think we need to go. They all hate you, and they're going to kill us because they hate you. And, man, you've done ripped the lid. You've done stirred this pot. And I mean, they're, these boys are just like, man, this is, it's really tense. Lord, yeah, Big J, you know we can't be. You know, we, we, you've already went in there and, whew, I think we just need to let things calm down a little bit. And Jesus, is like, boys, look here, I'm fixing to be gone. And where I'm going. You can't go right now. And I'm sure some of them are going, man, I don't want to go anywhere right now. I just want to stay right here. I'm telling you, look look what he says. Look at verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. And I bet every one of them went, yeah, right. My hands are sweating. I can't even spit. My mouth got so much cotton in it. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Oh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The one who comes to the Father, no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, the thing about this is, is Jesus is laying this out. is simple, and yet you know they were sitting there scratching their heads going, man, wait a minute, you're going somewhere that I don't know where you're going, but you're saying, I do know where you're going. You're saying that, but you're the way through the truth to get to life. And back in Genesis, if you go back there, God said, I don't want them to get back to the tree of life because they'll be stuck in this fallen state. Come on. Where they won't be able to rule, where they won't be able, come on, are y'all with me, where they won't have no authority, where they won't have any dominion, I'm the way back to that. Come on, the Father is the life. He is the source of our life. That's what Father means, the source. Okay, are y'all with me? All right, look here. Verse seven, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. That's what Philip said. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what we do. We're always trying to, uh, okay, just show me. Well, no, I've been showing you. If you've seen me, look what he says. Have I been so long with you, yet you have not come to me? Listen, this all gives me comfort. That even the guys that lived with him for three years still get it jacked up. When I read Mary forgot the Savior of the world in town for three days, I said, there's nothing I can screw up parenting like that. Right? I mean, how do you leave the Savior of the world and you don't even know he's gone? You're three days into this camel trip and oh my God, where's the Savior of the world? Where's the Son of God? I mean, you could do nothing as a parent that God says, I got this. Come on, are y'all with me? Because we're going to at least screw up one of them. (laughs) Not really. We're all perfect parents. Look what he says. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Oh, man, we're fixing to go somewhere. Look in verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. He says, look. He says, what I'm doing is is I'm pointing you back to him. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, just look at the fruit of what's going on here. I'm showing you that you have the authority again over all the creeping serpents. Come on, man. That are always trying to rob you of being who the fathers called you to be. Always trying to put the thumb on you you got to let go of that now because now you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and you don't have to live under that rule and that authority any longer of shame, of rejection, of oppression. Come on, look at the works themselves, Philip. Come on, Thomas, can't you see? I'm pointing the way back to the Father. That's who he made you to be. A kingdom of priests. A people for his own possession. Come on. Man, listen. the Everything is so detailed to God. God doesn't miss nothing. Why is Easter in the spring? Because that's when things come to life. Come on, Jesus came to life. It, listen, very, the, it's all pointing to the... Life you now live in Christ. Have you ever noticed a pine tree in Easter? Listen, a pine tree will tell you when spring and Easter is here. It tells you of the resurrection because on the top of all the pine trees, when Easter comes, it automatically folds out into a cross. Come on, man. God didn't miss nothing. The very thing that holds you together, the very minute lanolin, the very, what, what do you call those things? In The, the what? Cells. The very cell, lanolin, yeah. Cells that hold you together when they put it under a microscope, You know what it looks like? A cross. Come on, man. God didn't miss nothing, didn't miss a thing. And we're citizenship is in that kingdom. Listen, this is the power of His Word. Look what He says in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, and I love what he does here. He says, he who believes in me. He didn't just go, okay, you 12 boys, if you believe in me. mm -mm. He pitched it on down the road to us and said, he who believes. He said, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Come on, man. Where's your citizenship? See, if we commit to trust, and that word believe means to commit to trust. You don't have to see it right off the bat. You may not feel it right off the bat, you may not see it physically right off the bat, but you keep believing it. Listen, as many people as I've prayed for and they got healed, that many people probably didn't. It's not my job to do the healing; it's my job to believe and pray. That's my job. I don't get caught up in why the not, why the nots. <laughs> Does that even a why? Well, I don't. Get, I'm not gonna. Get, I can't because I'm not God. I'm just a citizen in that. And if the word says it, I'm just dumb enough to believe it. Come on, are y'all with me? I don't understand it. I don't know what you need to be believing for. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm telling you right now, I believe I would start committing to trust God to heal me, to deliver me, to bring back the prodigal son. Come on, to put my family back together? Come on, I'd start believing. And however God chooses to do that, it's fine. But commit to trust and believe. Man. I'm telling you, he's a miracle-working God. See, we lost dominion. We lost the rule to reign here. We lost the rule to be able to tell sin it couldn't enslave us and keep us from being what God's called us to be. To be be able to press on to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the hope of his inviting you, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Look at these words that he's using. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? Towards us who believe, who commit to trust. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. That doesn't just sound to me like somebody that died on a cross and is just living far off and we're just hoping to get to one day. Come on, are y'all with me? Look what he says. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named on not only in this age not only now but also in the ones to come come on he pitches it down the road again In the ages to come, this isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago and we just kind of sit around and read about and, and just, come on. But no, it's something that we can actively get to know and experience and have an intimate relationship with. Come on. Oh, man, oh, man. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. That's why he had to go. That's why he had to go. Everything is under his feet. Look, put all things in subject under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. Come on, man. Look, we miss this all the time. We miss this. What is the church? It's the body of Christ. And if we are in Christ, if we're the body of Christ, and everything is subject to him, it is under his feet. Come on, man. It's subject to us. Why? So that we can rule, reign, and occupy here. which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now watch this. For those who believe, for those who believe, here's what happens. We become citizens of the kingdom of God. We become the church. Listen, the devil don't... The devil don't care if you get saved and go to a building and call that church. <laughs> that don't bother him like one bit. But what bothers him is when you believe and understand that you are the church and you are in the body of Christ. Because then you, Christ, is all and feels all. See, we have a saying, inspire, influence, and impact. Our lives should be able to inspire so that we can have influence, so that we can make an impact. And what's hap- what happens is, is when we realize the kingdom of God is at hand and we repent, then this resurrection power begins to stand us up again. And we begin to be able to feel and to press on to that upward call that is in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus is in everything and feels everything. And here's where we've messed up: is we've thought that being the church, we are on the outside of the world, running parallel. Per, uh, what what do you call this out here? Perp. Uh, Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Peripheral. <laughs> I'll get I'll get there in a minute. Just bear with me. See, you're peripheral, per, peripheral. The church is not peripheral out here. The world is peripheral because Christ is in all we affect it it shouldn't affect us because of the resurrection power that put us in Christ come on man we should be the ones that go into our jobs, into our schools, into our communities, into our neighborhoods. And we're the ones that should be inspiring, influencing, and impacting because we're in Christ and everything is under his rule, in his reign. Woo. And if it takes, come on, healing. If it takes deliverance. If it takes, come on. Whatever it takes for Christ to be in and to feel, that's what we're called to do in our communities. We're not supposed to be in a building where we're just, the culture is just hammering us and shoving us into a building. This is where you're allowed to be a Christian. That's what we've done. We should be coming in here. Sunday mornings should be a hold down, throw down like no other. It should be a celebration where we come in here and we celebrate because of what he's done. Because we were have been fellow, we were in fellowship with his sufferings. We were in fellowship. That's why Peter said in, in 1 Peter 2, 20, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. You've already, you've been delivered. You've been, you are fellowship. You are an air, the riches, the glory of His hope. You've already been healed, Cole. You're healed. Elbows done. Come on. Do you believe this? Come on, stand with me. See, we are citizens of heaven, and we are always pointing the way to the Father. That's our job. Your life, without speaking a word, the word on the inside of you is always pointing the way back to being a citizen. Come on, y'all. Always pointing a way back. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we thank you for our citizenship. Lord, that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And as heirs of the kingdom, Father, we thank you. Lord, let our lives always be pointing the way back to you, back to life. Lord, we thank you that you're dying on the cross, freed us up to be who you called us to be. And Father, we thank you for that, for that freedom to be able to walk out of here the happiest people on the planet. Jesus, we owe it all to you. And we celebrate today a resurrection of a Savior, of the King of glory, which we derive our citizenship. And Father, we thank you for our communities. We thank you on our jobs, in our businesses. Whatever we do, Father God, we thank you that you've called us to be blessed. And we give you the praise and glory because of your son, Jesus. And if you agree and believe, say amen. Amen. Love y'all, enjoy your families. Thank you for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, you can subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. If you would like to give towards our ministry, there are giving options available at dcctx.church. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.